tonight. You can see the title of the message there on the screen. <clears throat> I can remember sitting on the front porch of my granddaddy's house growing up as a boy. We would sit there in the swing or in the rocking chairs on the porch. I don't know about you, but my grandparents, when they weren't at home, put a chair in front of the door. They never locked the door and locked the house. They take the chair and turn it sideways in front of the front door, and that said, we're not at home. That was a signal to anybody that was going up and down the road. If, you're sto if you stop, we're not here. The chair was turned sideways in front of the door. But the old blue rocking chair still sit on the porch, all rotted down now. The old swing is all rotted down. But my granddaddy and I sat in that swing, and looking back across his front porch toward the south and toward the east, you could see the clouds come up. And he would say, it's coming up a cloud, bud. Never call me by my name. Always call me bud. It's coming up a cloud. That meant the weather was about to get bad. As a young man, my granddad had been through a tornado, and because of that, it left him terrified of bad weather. He was also a farmer. He needed to know what the weather was going to do. So he was always watching the weather, watching the sky, and he, he thought he knew how to read the weather. And so when he would see the sky grow dark, that was his expression, and I'm sure many of you have heard that, and maybe you say the same thing too. It's coming up a cloud. Well, in fact, so did the people of Jesus' day. We look tonight at a passage of Scripture from the 12th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 12, verses 54 and 55, and we're going to look at a, at a context, a little string of verses uh, following that where Jesus said, he said to the crowd, he said, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, it's going to rain, and it does. And when the south wind blows, you say, it's going to be hot, and it is. Jesus spoke these words to them, however, at that particular point in time, as a rebuke, because he was trying to figure out, well, he knew, but he was trying to get them to understand why it was that they could see some signs but not see others. Now, when I read this scripture, I think of the world of our day. We have people today who are telling us how, and they're watching the weather and telling us, or watching the climate, and telling us how much longer <clears throat> we have on the earth. Uh, they can predict what the climate is going to be like decades in advance or think they can, they see some things so well, but they can't see others at all. They see some clouds on the horizon, but the one that's most important they fail to see. Look at verse 56 of Luke chapter 12. Jesus said, hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky, how is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? In other words, Jesus was saying to these weather watchers, he said, it's coming up a cloud, a cloud that you can't see, a cloud that you don't recognize. They didn't know how to interpret the present time. The present has a message. That's the first thing that I want to emphasize to you tonight the present had a message in their time, and the present has a message for us. God is speaking in the present. 
Jesus was observing to them that God was speaking in their present time. There were signs of activity and signs of God's judgment, but they couldn't read those signs. Can we, can you, the present still has a message. There are signs of God's activity, signs that tell us something's coming. It's coming up a cloud. Something's about to happen. Something's changing. We've observed that. All of us did. We observed that, what, when COVID hit? We said things just feel different. I told you, I think, about my mother before my mother, back before my mother fell, before COVID came, she would say to me, it, things just feel so strange to me. But if they felt strange prior to COVID and during COVID, don't they still feel strange to you and even stranger? Something is about to happen. What is God telling us? What are some of the signs? Well, let's just consider uh, Jesus said, you know, there will be wars and rumors of wars and famines and earthquakes and pestilences in various places. He says, but that's not yet the end. But I think he was telling that, saying that, reminding us, but those things do help us understand that the end is coming. So what are some of our impending, are, are some of our signs that we see? Well, we see impending war around the globe. And they're talking about that all the time, the things that might happen, the things that could happen. The whole world is concerned about that. Is that a sign? There are whispers of revolution in our own country. Is that a sign? There are pandemics of disease and epidemics of violence. Is that a sign? There are earthquakes in our economy. Is that a sign? Those are just some of the signs we can see. What about the ones we don't see? What about the, like the clouds in their time? There were those they could see. There were signs they could read. And then there were the signs they couldn't read. Are we missing something like they were missing something? Are we failing to discern the signs of the times? It's coming up a cloud. Can you see it? Can you sense it? Those listening to Jesus then raise the issue of current events. If we're going to talk about uh, signs, we need to talk about the things that are happening. And so they asked him about what he thought about two recent tragedies. Now imagine that. I think it's pretty interesting, by the way, that Jesus had a sense of current events. He knew what was happening in and around his own world. And so in chapter 13, they asked him about these two recent tragedies that, were, that had happened in the land. These things, were they signs? Was there something they needed to do in response? So look at chapter 13, verse 1. Now, on the same occasion, there were some, some present who reported to him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And Jesus said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were greater than all uh, other Galileans because they suffered this fate? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. In other words, they were wondering, and Jesus was explaining to them, they were wondering, was this a, a random act of violence that, that Pilate executed on, on these uh, people, or, or was this judgment from God? They wanted to know. First, they wanted to know about it from the perspective of those to whom it happened. Were these people, these people to whom this, this tragedy happened, <clears throat> were they especially bad people? Did they deserve it? And so look at verse 4. 
And Jesus said, or do you suppose that those 18, a specific number, those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them were worse culprits than all the men who lived in Jerusalem. So apparently there was an event, there was a tower in Jerusalem where they were building the tower or whether it was an existing tower and these people were there and that tower fell, it collapsed and 18 people were killed. And so Jesus said, did it fall on them because they were the worst of all the people in Jerusalem? Jesus said, I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. So this was, a, this was some kind of, this wasn't a, a, a tragedy in terms of violence that some, someone committed on some other people. This was some kind of natural disaster. Was it random or was it a judgment from God? And, and what about those people who died in it? Did they, did they die because they deserved to die in that disaster? We ask the same kind of questions today. When we see things happen around the globe, were these people sinners, especially wicked sinners, since these things happened to them? Certainly it must have been or it wouldn't happen. That was their thinking. And their thinking was also that since it didn't happen to us, since such a tragedy, tragic thing didn't happen to me, then I must be okay. Is that right? Am I safe from judgment because it didn't happen to me? Now, they were asking him about current events. They were trying to get a sense of their times. Is there a meaning is this? Is there a message in it? And can we be sure that something similar won't happen to us? And so Jesus, in talking to them about these issues, in observing the people who perished in the tragedies, whatever caused them, and in reflecting on their goodness or badness, he said it had nothing to do with that, but I tell you this, Unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Jesus was telling them, it's coming up a cloud. The judgment of God is coming. Every man, woman, boy, and girl on our planet is, is in danger of the judgment of God unless we repent. So tonight we have to consider, does a threat of judgment hang over your life? Does a threat of judgment hang over your community? Does a threat of judgment hang over your nation? Does a threat of judgment hang over your world? Well, the, the whole message of the Bible is clearly yes. Read the present time. God has a message for you in the present. Are you reading the signs of the time? Are, are, are you reading the signs God is giving to you personally? Are you alert to the message that God might be sending you? Now, what did he want these people to do? these people to whom he was talking. Here is Jesus. What was he urging them to do? What was he calling them to do? He was calling them to repent. He was calling them personally to repent. He was calling them corporately to repent. That was Jesus' main message, by the way. That was, someone said a long time ago, uh, J. Edwin Orr said, repentance is the first word of the gospel. And he observed, it was the first word out of the mouth of John the Baptist when he preached. It was the first word out of the mouth of Jesus when he preached his first sermon. It was the first word that Jesus told the disciples to preach when they went out. When he sent them out to preach, he told, told them to tell people to repent and believe the gospel. It was the first word out of the mouth of Peter on the day of Pentecost and it was Paul's word when he went out 
And he said, God has commanded that all men everywhere should repent. God is calling people to repentance. He was then, he still is. And sometimes he uses signs in the present to alert us to our own need of repentance. So we have this, these concerns in this passage of Scripture. First, that God is sending messages in the present and that we might be missing those messages. Second, messages have a meaning. A sign is something to see, not just to see, but to read and to understand. And third, when God gives us a sign, there is also something that he wants us to do. There's a way that he wants us to respond. Not only should we recognize the signs of the times, but also recognize that time is running out. We should live alert to the signs, but we should also know that, that God is, 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 is calling us, urging us to respond because time is running out. Look at verse 6. And he began telling this parable. A man had a fig tree which had been planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and didn't find any. And he said to the vineyard keeper, Behold, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree without finding any. Cut it down. Why does it even use up the ground? So what was the owner of the vineyard looking for? He was looking for fruit. What kind of fruit? Well, in the context, uh, it's clear that one of the fruits that Jesus is talking about being that's needed to see in our lives is the fruit of repentance. When John the Baptist, in fact, was baptizing, you remember when the scribes and Pharisees, or I believe there were scribes and Pharisees that came to be baptized by him, and as he saw them coming, he said, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath of come? First, bring forth fruits in keeping with repentance. What is repentance, by the way? Repentance is turning away from sin, and it's turning toward God. Are, are any of the signs that you've been seeing in your life, any, are there any indications that God is calling you personally to repent? Is God telling you that you're on the wrong road, headed in the wrong way, and that you need to turn around? Look at the purpose of this parable. First, Jesus reveals the, the growing impatience of God with those who fail to repent. How long would you say that God's been dealing with you? Here, he'd been dealing with them. for th this, this, this owner had been coming and looking for, for fruit for three years. Year after year after year, he'd been looking and waiting. So consider, how many times has God spoken to your heart? God's been speaking to you. How long has it been going on? God's been telling you something. God, look, God deals with all of us. He deals with me. He deals with you. And often he deals with us about issues in our lives where we need to change, places in our lives where we need to adjust our lives to him. And he comes to us and he, he knocks on the door of our heart. God's word is often uh, you know, like Elijah discovered, it's a still small voice. Like Samuel heard, the voice of the Lord simply calling us in the night. We hear the Lord calling. We hear his voice. And then we don't respond. But God continues to call. And sometimes his voice gets a little louder and sometimes a little louder. And sometimes uh, added to that comes difficulty and, and discouragements. And God is still speaking in those moments. Those are signs that he's trying to get our attention. He's saying something to us. And it has been my experience 
that often God deals with me about the same thing over and over and over again. And, and why does he do that, do you suppose? Why does he do, talk to you about the same thing over and over again? It's because he wants you to respond. There's something he wants you to do. There's some adjustment that he wants you to make in your life and me to make in mine. So he said to the vineyard keeper, Behold, for three years I have been, been coming, looking for fruit on this fig tree without finding any. I've given signs. I've allowed disease and disasters and calamities of various kinds, and my people have not repented. Now that's not in there. I added that. But it is in the Old Testament. Let me give you an interesting passage of Scripture. The verses won't be on the screen. And it's from the fourth chapter of the book of Amos, Amos chapter 4, beginning to read in verse 6. And I just want you to listen to the rhythm of it, and I want you to listen to what God is saying. These are signs from the book of Amos, signs that God sent, signs that he wanted his people to read, signs that he wanted his people to respond to. God said, I have given you cleanness of teeth in all your cities. That's a good word for a dentist. Cleanness of teeth in all your cities. But the problem was, cleanness of teeth back then was they didn't have anything to eat. There wasn't anything to get on their teeth. There wasn't anything to stain their teeth. There wasn't anything to rot their teeth. There was, there was nothing to fill their belly with. Cleanness of teeth meant famine. I have given you cleanness of teeth in all your cities and lack of bread in all your places. Yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. That was number one. Number two. I have also withheld the rain from you. When there were yet three months to the harvest, I would send rain on one city and send no rain on another city. One field would have rain, and the field on which it did not rain would wither. So two or three cities would wander to another city to drink water and would not be satisfied. Yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. Number three, I struck you with blight and mildew, your many gardens and your vineyards, your fig trees and your olive trees, the locusts devoured, yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. Number four, I sent among you a pestilence after the manner of Egypt. I killed your young men with the sword, carried away your horses, made the stench of your camp go up into your nostrils, and you did not return to me, declares the Lord. Next, I overthrew some of you as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah and you were as a brand plucked out of the burning. I saved you, I spared you, like snatched Lot out of that mess. And yet you did not return to me. In other words, God's given you opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. One year, two years, three years, four years. How long has God been speaking to you about perhaps one specific issue? And what do you think he wants you to do? Well, ultimately... The 12th verse says this, Therefore, thus I will do to you, O Israel, because I will do this to you. Prepare to meet your God, O Israel. In other words, God's coming in judgment. He's not waiting anymore. Judgment's now going to come. God's been patient. He's done this. He's done that. He's done the other. You know, the Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but, all that, but should all, that all should come to repentance. But when God calls, when God sends a cloud... That's an omen of judgment, and we don't respond. God's com God comes to an end of his patience. Therefore, the next thing we see in our verses from Luke there in verse 7, he said to the vineyard keeper, 
Behold, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree without finding any. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? It's coming up a cloud, Jesus is saying. And lightning is about to strike somewhere in or around your life. Do you see those signs? Are you reading those signs? What is God saying to you, to your family, to your church, to our nation, and to our world? Well, you know, things would have been bad had it not been for verse 8. Look at verse 8. This is the, 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 the keeper of, of the vineyard. He said to him, Let it alone, sir, for this year too, until I dig around it and put in fertilizer. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. But if not, cut it down. In other words, here's an intercessor. Here's someone interceding for you, somebody praying for you. That's what the Bible says about Jesus, that he's our intercessor. He's interceding for us before the Father in heaven. Maybe you delayed a little long in, in responding to God and, and answering God's call and, and what he wants you to do personally. Maybe he's calling you to do something. Maybe he has some mission for your life or some message for you to deliver. Maybe he has some adjustment he wants you to make. But God is speaking, and he's given you opportunity after opportunity. But now he's saying, okay, we'll give you one more year. We'll give you one more opportunity to see if you respond. And not, if not, we'll just take that opportunity away. We'll cut the tree down. It's coming up a cloud, and lightning is about to strike. We need to respond to what God is saying to us personally. So I would urge you, if God is dealing with you about something, if God has been speaking with you over the course of the past weeks or months, or perhaps in your life it's even years, he's been telling you, urging you to do something, and you've not done it. Remember, God is patient, but he runs out of patience with us. There's a time when our opportunity is over. So we're dealing with a limited opportunity of responding to God. I would urge you, you know, the Bible all the Bible says in the Old Testament and in the New, today is the day. Today is the day to respond to God. Today is the day to do what God wants you to do. If you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, today is the day to do that. You don't have the promise of tomorrow. If you've not repented of your sin, if there's something God is calling you to be sorry for, to turn around away from, and to turn back to him, today is the day to do that. Don't put that off. Are you reading the signs? Do you see the cloud that's coming? Let's pray.